Hey guys, Connie here. If you've been a longtime listener, you know that I had to go gluten-free last year and your girl struggled. I'm a sweets girl and one of my favorite snacks at night was a huge bowl of cereal. Up until now, I hadn't been able to find one that didn't taste like cardboard or air. Enter Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. In my case, gluten. Magic Spoon has been a literal life changer for not only me, but my picky chicken tenders and fries only kids. Magic Spoon comes in a variety pack with four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs. That protein serving has been clutch for my kids in the morning, and I don't feel so guilty about snacking at night. With only 140 calories a serving, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. It tastes like all of the cereal you loved from your childhood, only it's actually nutritious, so you can eat like a whole bowl without the added guilt. Go to magicspoon.com gruesome to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code gruesome at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com gruesome and use the code gruesome at checkout to save $5 off. Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and Connie Karate is going to tell us about the Hart Brothers. Did you ever watch Parks and Rec? I watched most of Parks and Rec. You remember when he's Johnny Karate? I was thinking about your name and thinking of nicknames today. That's what I was going for. It actually works out (laughs) because I identify most with April, so it's... I identify most with Andy, so that makes sense. (laughs) You are a Leslie Nope. I know. You are like a punk rock Leslie. Nope. Uh, Don't talk dirty to me. Mm. (laughs) Well, I don't know how to segue from that. (laughs) So, sorry. The American Revolution was a chaotic chapter in American history. And as we know, whenever there are wars or events that make it possible for like additional chaos and lawlessness to take place, someone is going to unfortunately seize that opportunity. And I have found just by living in my 33 years that whenever there is a war, a natural disaster, terrorist attack, et cetera, et cetera, I firmly believe that you will see the best of humanity come out. That's especially like here in the States. um, Not that I am pumped that these events happen, but I feel like we come together as a nation like better than normal or usual. But unfortunately, you also see the worst in humanity. In the instances of wars, you often see the war crimes that, you know, don't take place that we all know absolutely take place. And it was even more prevalent before there were TV cameras and social media to broadcast everything, obviously. But just like rats out of the woodwork, there are the monsters that decide to use these situations to inflict further horror. 
Today, we're going to talk about a pair of men who are largely regarded as the first documented serial killers in the United States. The Harp Brothers, as they were called, even though it is widely believed that they were actually cousins and not brothers at all, were those monsters who took advantage of a war-torn Appalachia country and inflicted quite literal hell on those who crossed their path. Your weekly trigger warnings this week are for rape, torture, murder, crimes against children. That's not like the big part of it, but there's a pretty significant part, et cetera, et cetera. All in all, just a pretty brutal week. Not much is known about the early life of the Harps. Brothers William and Joshua Harper emigrated around 1760 from Scotland to Orange County, North Carolina. And again, because it was the 1700s, it is not known whether one of the Harper brothers fathered both boys or if they were, in fact, first cousins. Is it Harper or Harp? I'll get to that in just a second. I am saying Harper. I am saying Harper first. Okay, that's what I was wondering. The historians generally agree that they were cousins. It is believed that Macasia was born around 1748 and Wiley was born around 1750. Again, their exact birth years are unknown. Just the time just goes with the time period. The Harpers changed their name to Harp because Harper was a surname that was known to be associated with loyalists to the British crown, which they were, but they were trying to blend in a little bit better with their patriot neighbors. But as the tensions rose as the American Revolution brewed, it didn't matter. The Harps watched their parents be tortured and ultimately killed due to their loyalist ties, which it seems like that is what set their path of absolute terror in motion. It is believed that the two, at this point in time, like kids, lived in caves, stole food, hunted whatever they could in order to survive. Their survival skills made it difficult for them to be captured later on because they knew the mountains and how to like get off their grid before that was actually a thing. Macasia was known as Big Harp, and that's primarily what I'm going to refer to him as. Wiley was known as Little Harp. They were super close from birth. They that's why everyone like believed that they were brothers. Their descriptions alone were enough to like terrify you. Macasia was described as being almost seven feet tall with long, powerful arms, lowering brows and a sullen expression. His jet black curly hair was coarse and thick. It is believed that he actually um, may have been biracial. So they would say that either he was biracial or that his hair was just like thick and black with grease, like just like from being dirty in general. It was said that his face looked evil and was almost permanently red, like an anger red, not like a sunburn. Wiley lived up to his name as Little Harp. He was small statured with a pinched face that just looked cruel. And he had this wiry red hair. Weasel vibes. I read that description and I immediately thought rat faced. At the start of the American Revolution, the Harps started to leave North Carolina with the dreams of being slave overseer at a plantation or slave traders, slave owners. But that didn't happen. The Harps abandoned their dreams when they joined a Tory rape gang. And if you're wondering if that is as horrible as it sounds, it is. A Tory was someone who was loyal to the British crown. North Carolina had a ton of these gangs that would go around, especially to homes where the men were off fighting during the revolution and loot, torture, and as the name depicts, rape women and young girls who were left to care for the home while the husbands and dads were gone. 
Ew, geez. Mm-hmm. The Harps were directly involved in the rape and kidnapping of three young girls, and Little Harp tried to kidnap and rape a fourth young girl, but he was shot by Captain James Wood of the U.S. Continental Army. Captain Wood would actually go on to be the 11th governor of Virginia. Just a little fun fact. The Harps were actually members of the British military. They were kind of like just guerrilla warfare kids. Like they just. That's what I was wondering. Were they really loyal to the British crown or did they just like these guys were doing the most damage and that's who they wanted to party with? I think their dads were. So they were like, oh, yeah, us too. But I think they just wanted the carnage of it. Yeah. The brothers took refuge with the Chickamauga Cherokee tribe under the direction of Chief John Watts, the leader of the group. The group took parts in various battles, most notably the brutal attack on Buchanan Station. It's also believed that the Harps fought against Patriots in the Battle of Blue Licks, which was the last loyalist victory of the war. Daniel Boone actually fought in this battle. That's where his son Israel was killed. More American history fun facts. The renegades, as they called themselves, were pushed over the Appalachians. Their new town, Nickajack, sat on the Tennessee River. It was the home base for their group of misfits and outcasts. The group would reign terror against other settler towns and then retreat back to their hole. They would rape and kidnap women, murder entire families, burn entire towns. Big Harp discovered his love for his weapon of choice during this time a large tomahawk that was capable of splitting someone's head in two with just one swing. During these, yeah. During these raids, the Harps kidnapped their first quote unquote wives. Maria Davidson, who started to use the uh, fake name Betsy Roberts and Susan Woods, the daughter of Captain James Wood, who had shot Little Harp a few years back. They had kidnapped her as a direct act of revenge against Captain Wood. In total, the Harps and their wives lived um with the tribe for about 12 or 13 years 17 so did they and they with them or did the girls like i don't they so they were taken the they were kidnapped and yeah exactly stockholm okay. because they you'll see as we go on there are a few instances where the women could escape but they don't but uh susan wood's brother like spoke with like historians like back in the day and said that his sister was kidnapped and she was forced into like sexual servitude by big harp yikes yeah like i said they lived with the tribe for about 12 or 13 years uh 1794 brought word that a u.s army expedition was on their way to eliminate the entire town of nickajack so the harp clan of big and little harp along with their kidnapped brides fled the area and that attack literally wiped Nickajack off the map. All that's left now is like a cave that's named after it and a lake. Wow. Mm-hmm. Some attack. Because they were, I mean, they were going to different like pioneer towns around them and like slot, like, I mean, it, it's a horrible necessity, necessity that needed to be done. Because in any situation like that, you know, that there are tons of innocent people that were killed as a result, but. There were the monsters that lived among them. After the Harps slipped out of Nickajack and headed to one of the most dangerous frontier towns at the time, Knoxville, the saying is that Knoxville had seven taverns and no churches. So in other words, the two fit right in. It almost seemed like the Harps were trying to live the straight and narrow. They cleared out an area. They built a log cabin. They were 
just hanging out there with their wives. And this is where they decided to, I guess, reinvent would be the word, but reinvent themselves. Um, they started going by the names of McCage and Wiley instead of their given names, which were Joshua and William. The men would travel the eight miles from their cabin to sell their goods, most of which were stolen and hardly any of it was actually produced on their farm. The Harps thought that the best course of action to maintain their newly reformed image was to rob the governor's mansion. Only they failed miserably. <laughs> they thought that they could lure the guards away by setting a fire at the stables. And then like the guards would go investigate and then they could rob the mansion. But the guards didn't even go check out the stable fire. They were like, yeah, whatever. Who needs that stable? And even though there were some, like a lot of people in town, like, assumed that the harps were responsible people didn't really seem to care during this time little harp was actually he courted and married a daughter of a local farmer sally rice and wiley were married on june 1st 1797 and now you're probably thinking wait we thought he already had a pseudo wife from before you would be correct yeah what the heck susan and betsy became the legitimate how he felt property of big harp Although it is both women. Although it okay. is widely believed that both men had sexual relationships with all three women. The Harps continued to push their luck with the town when they stole horses from a nearby farmer. When Edward Thiel went to their farm, the family was already gone to go sell the horses. He gathered a group of men to go after them, and they were actually able to capture the Harps. The group of men said that it was really spooky because they were escorting the men back to Knoxville to go to like the act, go through the actual ju judicial system for punishment. And the men escaped. It was like one minute they were there and the next minute they were gone, escaping into the woods without a trace. And Edward decided not to go after them because he had his horses back. Like he got it back when he captured them. So he was kind of just like, meh, whatever. See you later. The men found themselves back in a tavern near Knoxville. It is believed that while they were at the tavern, a man by the name of Johnson confronted the Harps about their livestock thievery. A fight broke out, and once again, Little Harp was injured when he was stabbed in the chest by a man named John Bowman. Little Harp isn't going to make it. Little Harp's a little bitch. <laughs> the scuffle ends, and the men go their separate ways. But revenge was always on the mind of the Harps. And a few days later, the body of Johnson was found floating in the Holston River. In the most grisly scene, the man had been completely disemboweled. Everything in his torso had been removed and replaced with rocks in the hopes that the body would be sunk to the bottom of the river. Somewhere along the way, the rocks dislodged and his body floated to the surface. And this had become the signature crime scene for these two. They would disembowel their victims and then replace their insides with rocks, adding to the speculation of how many people actually fell victim to, as they were called, the bloody harps. Because there's really no way to know how many victims that were, like how many victims there were that were never found due to the nature of how they disposed of the bodies. At this point in time, it is believed that the harps had already killed at least three people on their own, addition, in addition to the victims that fell to them at, during these raids, like back when they were with the tribe. One of the first victims, Moses Doss, made the mistake of staring at the wives too long and questioning their well-being. His body was found completely hacked apart and mutilated in the fashion that only a tomahawk could cause. And because I think I should add, with the exception of Sally, 
Susan and Betsy were victims as well. We talked about this a little bit, but at this point, it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome. The women were regularly abused. They were considered property of the brothers. Like that's all they were to them, just property. There's also evidence that the men were responsible for the death of a peddler named Peyton, as well as a pair of Maryland travelers. Their bodies were all found shortly after Johnson's. After the horrific scene, the Harps decided that it was probably time for them to leave Knoxville for good. And even though like they weren't even suspects, the barkeep of the tavern was accused of murdering Johnson. And like to the point he was ran out of town. The Harps, the women all take off down the famous Wilderness Road into Kentucky. This is where the Harps really take their final monster form because it's almost constant bloodshed after this. Their whole trip, they would ambush fellow travelers. Sometimes they would even pretend to be their friends, playing nice, before they would kill them with swift blows to the head with Big Harp's tomahawk before they would slit their torsos open, disembowel them, and fill their bodies full of rocks before throwing them into nearby rivers. So the family arrives at the Ferris Inn in the Little Rock Castle settlement. The group meets and befriends unsuspecting John Langford. Langford paid for breakfast and a room at the um, Langford paid for breakfast and a room for the Harps, who quickly realized that even though Langford had this raggedy appearance, he actually had quite a bit of money on him. They quickly offered to escort escort him along the Wilderness Road. And looking, you would think that this giant man, his rat-faced brother, and the three incredibly pregnant women, because all three of the women were pregnant at this time, oh were harmless. They reminded Langford that there were very bad people on the road, and it's better to travel in groups. So the group departed, but when the disemboweled body of John Langford was found with rocks stuffed inside of his own chest, witnesses quickly pointed fingers at the harps. Because tons of people saw Langford leave with them. It wasn't a secret. The innkeeper had told Langford many times that he needed to be more careful about showing his wallet full of cash, and he was right. The Harps murdered and robbed him, and police were able to track down the whole group, even the pregnant women. They were all arrested on Christmas Day in 1798. All three of the women gave birth in jail. But the Harps... (laughs) Yeah. But the Harps didn't stay round to face time for their crimes or hang out with their new babies, Big and Little Harp both escaped jail. And it is listed that the men cut a hole in the jail wall and escaped, but that would be highly unlikely. The jail was made... How would they cut a hole in the wall? Yeah, and the jail was made out of multiple rows of eight-inch round logs. So, like, these thick logs, they're not cutting through that. So it's more likely that they had bribed someone to let them out. But the men headed west and a huge manhunt was underway. The posse rides. So they, I cannot talk tonight. Sorry. So the harps are headed west, full-fledged manhunt. There's a posse that is in charge of like trying to track them down. And the posse rides to the home of Colonel Daniel Trebu. And like I said, the the posse is not the harps, it's the men hunting them. So they uh, approach uh, Colonel Trebu and they're like, hey, please join them please join us on this search. Like he was a well-known tracker. So he tells them like, yeah, I'll be able to leave. I can come with you. I just have to wait for my son because he has a 13-year-old son, Johnny, to come back from borrowing flour and beans at our neighbor's house. Unfortunately, Johnny had encountered two absolute monsters on his way home. 
The posse is met by Johnny's dog, who was untethered and smeared with blood. He leads the group to a sinkhole where they discover the mutilated body of the young boy. Fueled by sheer rage, Tribune and another tracker chase the pair, but there's, again, no luck. It was once again like the forest had swallowed the men and they were nowhere to be found. Because they're hiding in the woods. Mm-hmm. Which is terrifying. Like, that is really scary. Terrifying. The women were left to stand trial for the murder of Langford by themselves. But in a scenario that we've seen way too often in this time period, the women were acquitted because it was widely believed that women couldn't be responsible for crimes such as murder, which we know better. Especially Do you think now. they were responsible? You think they had like a hand in it or they were just like no. had to watch? I think they were just bystanders. Yeah. When it came time for the women to be released from jail, they were sent with new clothes, a horse, sympathy from the town, and they were given the warning never to return to the harps. And the women gave the old winky, like, we won't, you know. They walked down the road a few miles and traded their horses for a boat with a trip towards the Ohio River in their sights. And three babies? And three babies. The Ohio River had a lot of river trade at the time and pirates to match. There was now a $300 bounty on the heads of the harps, which is quite a bit of money from back then. The men fell into the pirate lifestyle in the limestone bluffs over the Ohio River known as Cave in Rock, Illinois. The women found their way back to their husbands because, again, Stockholm Syndrome. What I really wanted to happen was I wanted the women to become pirates, find the harps, and then bring them back and get the reward. That's that in my be head. A way better ending. <laughs> That's the perfect ending in my head. The harps start to think that this could be their home and their hideaway forever. The caves provided a welcome solace for them. It's how they grew up. They were used to it. The head of the group of pirate outlaws at Cave and Rock was a, a man by the name of Samuel Mason. The harps worked alongside this group of river pirates taking part in the raids as they were executed. During one of the flatboat raids, the pirates heard the sound coming from up far in the bluffs for no reason at all. The harps had taken a prisoner from the boat. The prisoner was beaten and completely stripped naked and put on a horse. The prisoner and the horse were both blindfolded. And behind the horse, the harps start making loud noises, beating the horse, inching it to the edge of the cliff before both the horse and the man ultimately fell to their deaths on the rocks below. Now, these pirates aren't like a Mr. Rogers type by any means, but and like unlawful would I think would be an understatement. But they couldn't compare to the very obvious bloodthirst that these harps possessed. And after they murdered the prisoner and the horse, it was too much. They were like, look, we're trying to hide out here and you're bringing, like, it's too much. You guys got to get the hell out of here. They were too much of a liability for Mason and his river pirates. They told them that they had to leave. And this just fueled their us against the world mentality that the cousin brothers had. The men left a trail of bodies the summer of 1799 all of the way from Kentucky to Knoxville and back again. One man was killed for no reason. It is believed that the Harps just thought he was someone else. They murdered a young boy for his corn. They killed a teenage girl and, trigger warning, cut her body into one-inch strips for, again, no reason at all. They taunted a pair of brothers and, like, taunted them as they proclaimed that they had caught the har like, the dreaded Harps. They were like, look what we caught. And they were, like, pretending that these two were... Like these two men were the harps. 
One of the men was able to escape, but when he returned with help, instead of finding them still there, he was met with the sight of his brother's mutilated body. His head had been split open with the tomahawk. They murdered an entire family, including their slaves, and robbed them before setting their cabin on fire. By late summer, the Harps murdered first and then asked questions second. They had no disregard for any life other than theirs. Now, I am going to give you guys a few seconds to skip ahead because this next crime does involve a child and it's pretty horrific. So give me a couple seconds. Before I get into what happened, I want to preface this with there were a number of newspaper articles that I read that said prior to the Harps and Susan and Betsy escaping Nickajack, both Susan and Betsy were believed to have had two children apiece who were immediately murdered by the Harps. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it was one of those situations where it was in about 50-50 of the sources. So I was like, oh, that's, that seems like pretty brutal. I and believe I, it. I do believe it, especially after what I'm about to tell you. But that summer, August, the two men, three women and three kids were hiding out in a cave when one of the kids, and I say kids, but these are practically toddlers. These are still babies. One of the kids starts crying. And when their mom couldn't sue them, Big Harp lifted the baby up and just slammed them into a cave wall. Everyone is silent. After murdering his own child, he just goes back to sitting there like nothing happened. And it's like horrifying. Horrifying. Like like it's zero. Like there's like no thought process. It's just horrific. Absolutely horrific. And like as those, I mean, if those women were there with the other babies, like I would be like, let's go. Now's the time. Mm -hmm. Like as as if every other time wasn't a red, every time Mm -hmm. is a red flag. They just keep getting bigger and redder. Well, the women left the cave to go off to collect debts is what it said. And when the harps left the cave to meet up with the women um, on their way on August 19th, 1799, a Henderson County resident by the name of James Tompkins answers a knock on his door. He is met by two completely haggard men who are claiming to be Methodist preachers who have been traveling the area. They're just really tired. So he fought like he's like, I just took he just took him at his word. So he invites them in, offers them a meal. The men fall so far into their character that they literally forgot to kill Tompkins. Tompkins comments that he doesn't even have the powder to fill his rifle. And Big Harp is like, oh, I got you and pours him a cup of powder from his own gun. Then the men say their goodbyes and head off. They leave with the plan to head to the home of Silas McBee, but they were met once they, like when they got closer, they were met by a whole pack of McBee's guard dogs. And they were like, maybe this isn't like the best place for us to go. Cause we know, I mean, dogs can sense when you're a shitty person. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they were just ready to tear the two of them apart. They changed the plans and they head to the home of another Moses, Stiegel, an acquaintance from their old outlaw days in Knoxville. When they knock and his wife is the one who opens the door, they tell her that they are there collecting a $1 debt that is owed to Susan, Big Harp's wife. So she invites the men in to get her purse where they find that her husband is at home. A surveyor named Major William Love was there. He had been invited prior to Moses leaving for business as well as Mary and Moses's four-month-old son. The men quickly realize that Mary has way more than a dollar in her purse. So the men get to talking with her and William Love, and Mary invites him to stay the night. 
she said that she'd make them breakfast the next day before they head out to continue. No, Mary. Mm-hmm. Big Harp and Major Love shack up in the same room to sleep. And Major Love apparently was a pretty gnarly snorer. So Harp decided the best way to quiet him down was to silence him forever with his tomahawk. The next morning, as Mary, the next morning at breakfast, as Mary is cooking, unknowing that just the next room, Major Love was literally laying there brutally murdered, her son starts crying. Big Harp tells Mary that, hey, I'm good with kids. Do you want me to try and help you soothe the boy? So Mary's like, yeah, go ahead. And then she gets back to cooking her breakfast. Big Harp walks in and he silenced the boy the only way he knew how. He slit the young boy's throat while he was just sitting in his crib. Not hearing her son anymore, Mary goes in there to check on him. And when she stumbles across this grisly scene, she loses it, rightfully so. And she wouldn't stop screaming because she had just walked into her son having been brutally murdered. Harp doesn't care. He just slits her throat as well and then just goes back to the breakfast table and they have breakfast before leaving the house that day. Before they leave, they kick over the wood stove, setting the cabin on fire. And they thought they would be able to ambush that Silas McBee that they had tried to get earlier. They thought like he would see the smoke and like come head over there. So the Harps wait for Silas and Moses, but they got tired of waiting. They had the men hadn't showed up yet. So they just left. Silas and Moses had taken a different route to the house than what the Harps were originally expecting, which is why they didn't cross paths with them. Unfortunately, on that route, unfortunately, on that route, the Harps thought the men. Oh, my gosh. Unfortunately, on the route that the Harps thought the men would take, two other men were there. So they murdered both of them and their dog. Moses reaches his cabin with Silas, only discovered that his wife's son and friend had all been murdered. An eight-man posse is once again formed, including Moses, Silas, James Tompkins from before, and a man named John Leeper. This They stumble across Sally at an abandoned camp without the rest of the group, and it wouldn't be long before Betsy and Susan are also captured along with their kids. The posse continues on for two more miles before they st- spot the harps talking to a man on the side of the road. As soon as the harps see the posse, they just bolt. Little harp bolted towards the swampland area, and big harp took off to a can break, a cane break. What's a cane break? It's uh, a lot, like a big area of like thick grass. Okay. I had to look it up, but that's the vibe I got from it. It's like a big area of thick, tall grass. Forbin fire, one of the shots hitting him in the leg. John Leapers, his, the rod on his gun jammed. So he turned to James Tompkins and yells for him to hand him his rifle. He shoots, hitting Big Harp square in the back, shattering his spine. Now, if you remember, you may smile at the irony because the gunpowder that was used to shoot him was his own. Because well, he, yeah. gave, to, he had given Tompkins gunpowder when they were at his house. Look, the one time he's nice. That's what I said. He would spin this. The one time he's nice, it's going to come back and bite him. Harp continued to crawl, swinging his tomahawk until he could no longer hold it. Historians say that he began to confess to his crimes, saying there were so many dead and only expressed remorse for the one child of his own blood that he had murdered. Now, some say that Moses Stiegel did not want Harp to have the chance to say anything incriminating against him because he did know him from like when they were both outlaws in Knoxville. So he pulls out a butcher knife and walked over to him. Finally, after years of inflicting terror, 
his final words were, you're a goddamned rough butcher, but cut on and be damned. And Moses sawed off Big Harp's head and they ultimately just nailed it to a tree. Honestly, that's the only way you could kill. That's like uh, like zombie horror movie evil. You got to cut off the head. Yeah. Makes sense to me. But still, mm-hmm. the area like where this tree is, it is where three counties meet. So Henderson, Union, and Hopkins County, there's this tree. It's not like this area is known as Harp's Head, fittingly. Which doesn't Little- sound that ominous without knowing the history. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you a ghost story about this at the end. So there is some lore that goes with this. Yes. Little Harp was able to avoid capture, or in this case, like, ult- like it would have been just death. And he headed back to the River Pirates. For four years, he was able to evade capture. That's what's years- considering his bodyguard is gone. Mm-hmm. Four years later, in Greenville, Mississippi, two men go into the lo- go into the local circuit court thinking they were about to get a $2,000 reward. The dead or alive bounty was for none other than Samuel Mason, the pirate leader from the Ohio River. The men didn't want to take any chances and said that when they encountered him, they struck him in the head with a tomahawk since the reward was dead or alive. So the men waited for the head to be authenticated because I guess Samuel Mason had one of his teeth were it was extremely like long and pointy. So cool. they were, yeah. Weird, but just one? Just one. Had one long pointy tooth. So as they were waiting, a man named Captain Stump burst in. Captain Stump? Mm-hmm. Stump recognized his own horse outside the circuit court. A horse that had previously been stolen during a robbery. He walked in and pointed to one of the reward seekers, yelling, why that man's Wiley Harp. And the court erupted in chaos, but this man, who now went by the name John Sutton, was loudly <laughs> proclaiming his innocence. And he probably I'm John gotten... Sutton! What are you talking about? And he probably could have gotten away with it if one man didn't emerge from the crowd. He said, if you remove that man's shirt, if he's Wiley Harp, He'll have a scar under his left nipple from being stabbed at a bar fight in Knoxville. <laughs> Check his nipples. The man was John Bowman from years before. And their crowd was in shock. And like, because honestly, it was believed that Harp had either was long on the run or was dead. But there he stood, this monster in the flesh. And Bowman was able to deliver sweet, sweet justice for his friend Johnson, one of the Harp monster's first victims. Wiley Harp was tried and hanged, and after he hanged, he was also decapitated post-mortem, and his head was placed on a spike near Greenville. Once again, the women were also tried for murder, but they were ultimately acquitted. They slipped were the away. Women still with him? Um. So it never said who... The baby was that big harp killed. But I think that Sally, so little harp's wife, I think it was her kid because she was left like all by herself with no one else at that camp. And the other two women had already kind of like skedaddled. Mm-hmm. So to me, I was like, maybe like I was trying to like put the puzzle pieces together. But as soon as they found out the men, well, when big harp died, uh, 
Susan and Betsy like bolted, like after they were acquitted. Once uh, Wiley was dead, Sally did the same thing. Um, Sally returned to the Knoxville area where she reunited with her father. She ended up marrying a wealthy man, had a big family. Susan Wood also stayed in the area, although not much is known um, about her life. Betsy Roberts, formerly Maria Davidson, she also married and proceeded to have a large family. It is believed that the Hart brothers murdered between 15 and 40 people, with the majority of historians leading towards the latter. They were. It's a lot of blood. That is a lot of blood. Um, we're going to take a quick ad break, and then I'm going to tell you a witch story about this case. Fiverr is the world's largest marketplace for freelance digital services. With a whole world of digital freelance at your fingertips and the best options for any budget, Explore Fiverr's Marketplace, featuring graphic design, programming, tech, digital marketing. There are endless industry options to fit your business needs. Find the right freelancer to begin working with in minutes. Discover high-quality services without worrying about hourly rates. Just clear project-based pricing, so you always know what you'll pay up front. And your payment isn't released until you approve the work. Protected payments every time. And if you have questions... Fiverr provides 24-7 support so that you'll have help at any time, no matter where you are. Use Fiverr to find the perfect freelance services for your business today. You can support Gruesome by using our special link, zen.ai slash gruesome5. That's z-e-n dot a-i slash gruesome number five. The next time you need freelance support for your business. So there is a story that says... One day when Big Harp was in Mississippi in an area called literally Witch Dance. I want to so live there. <laughs> this area is where um, the mound builders of Mississippi lived. The, there was also supposedly this coven of witches that lived there. And they would gather for these nighttime ceremonies. Well, during these ceremonies, the witches would levitate and dance. And whenever their feet would touch the ground the grass would die immediately and never grow back. So there's all of these areas where there's like no grass. And if you're from this area, I need to talk to you. It's important. So during their reign of terror, the harps were there and Big Harp was jumping from dead area to dead area, daring the witches to come and fight him and nothing happened. So he just like laughed it off. But when his head was like hung to that tree, there is a, the story goes that after a few years of his, because his head just sat there, like eventually it was just a skull sitting on this tree. And there was a little sign underneath it that said uh, Frontier Justice. That sign is still there. But his head his yeah. skull was just sitting there. So the spooky story is that when his head was there, a witch came and removed his skull and ground it into powder to be used with a potion to heal one of her family members. And the tree where his skull was has been struck by lightning like two or three times. And there's the ghost story that if you go out there, you can hear the witches cackling from the bushes. <laughs> yeah. Good. I hope you can hear him cackling. I hope she did take his head and grind it into powder to use in a potion. Like, yeah. Except, I don't know. I feel like that potion would have... Uh... Bad, bad energy. That's bad juju. I wouldn't want... Yeah. <laughs> unless it's specifically called for that. I mean, I'm not going to... 
I don't know if serial killer skull dust would be my preferred um, potion ingredient, but I'm sure it's pretty powerful stuff. Has your brand been struggling to reach the correct audience when advertising? We've all done it. Maximize privacy filters on our phones and apps because who wants to be talking about something for it to pop up mysteriously later? It's weird and everyone hates it. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. You know how much we love Zencaster, and their new creator network is no different. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's creator network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's creator network is a perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favorite creators, like us. So stop wasting advertising dollars on ad campaigns that aren't targeting your niche audience. Let Zencaster's creator network match you with podcasters who can ensure that your target audience is being reached. We love Zencaster so much and being able to see ad opportunities come across our dashboard with a percentage match to see how much our audiences line up is game changing. It helps creators really get behind brands that mean something to them. And with a podcast show for just about anything you can think of, your brand is no exception. Are you interested in sponsoring this show or podcast ads for your business? Go to zen.ai slash gruesome and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. Yeah. But yeah, That's awesome. the first I serial to, I want to go to that place. Me too. I was like, hey, cool. that sounds spooky. spooky. And you don't even like spooky things. I know. I don't. That. I do not like spooky Witch but like, dance. I don't think they were realizing that after they were murdering these people that the rocks were moving and their bodies were just coming back to the surface. Because they were like leaving like, ha ha ha. You're never going to know what well, was Well, yeah, us. if there's like a current and the body's under it and they're just like cutting it open, like eventually the body will get moved and they'll fall out. Yeah. Yeah. So not only were they brutal, they're just idiots. Yeah. Like that's the understanding. Survivalists maybe, but morons generally it's crazy to me because like even when instead of just robbing like the flat boats when they were like we're gonna put this prisoner on the top of a cliff blindfold him and he's gonna have no idea that he's gonna be walking to his death on a horse who is also walking to its death like what the fuck the idea of river pirates is hilarious to me for the record i think just because i have like the very movie version of pirates in my head but just like like there's pirates. no like, black sparrow like looking for instead of rum it would be moonshine in kentucky I guess, yeah for real like just the idea of river pirates is uh i know that they still exist right like in other countries even yeah but i think pirates still exist it's oh just... my god pirates absolutely 100 percent exist like especially around the coast of africa like there's like alerts and stuff like not to stop your boat for anybody not to let anyone board that's so wild i wish they still dressed up cool yeah like, i wish you <laughs> it was like a very weird niche of criminal who like they still dress like they're from the like 16 and 1700s and they have cannonballs that would be awesome Mm-hmm. Man, these people were weird. Yeah, that was a that was a bummer. But again, yeah. with the historical cases, especially when they're this old, they are hard to listen to. They 
the more far removed we be from them we become, the I think the slightly easier it is to listen to them, but it's still we should still remember that they happened to real people and all the stuff that happened in it was Yeah. Like it's scary. We've had like, a couple of emails about this case too. Mm-hmm. It's just wild to think that like even back then, obviously we know like horrible shit was happening in America back then. But for two men to be like, we can completely cut these people open. We'll take out all of their organs. What did they do with them? Just rock. like, did they eat them? Did they feed them to like the animals? I don't or know. Just didn't there? Say. I would hope they wouldn't eat them, but it would not surprise me. What's the thought process there? Like, got them and fill them with rocks? That's a lot of extra work. That makes me think they had murdered other people and put them in, like, and realized immediately that their bodies float. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we fix this? Fill them with rocks. Fill them with rocks, obviously. And they would just, like, you would encounter him and he would just split you in the head with his tomahawk. And the idea that someone that just, like, burly and big, I would... Yeah, he does sound scary. Mm -hmm. Seven foot... I mean, any person that's seven feet tall is terrifying to me. I'm like, you... I'll, uh... (laughs) I'll give you clearance if i ever have to walk past you <laughs> Whoa. so tall <laughs> absolute so tall. offense attended offense intended if you were seven feet tall it's kind of bad for people that are seven feet tall yeah there's like tiktoks of that one guy who like shows how he used to duck for everything he has to like bend down if he takes a shower literally anywhere that's gonna be a rough my, life i think my older cousin is like what are they like Six, three, six, four. Yeah, all the tall, the tall dudes in my family are all like between six, three, and six, five. I'm trying to think. I know they're really tall, which is still really tall. <laughs> yeah, my oldest is on track to be over six foot, which is like wild to think. Oof. But one day he'll be able to crush you under his foot. <gasps> yeah, right. He like wishes. Jack and the Beanstalk. He'll be the giant in the clouds. Yeah, uh, or when I watch videos or if I see, like, NBA players and they're, like, talking to normal people, I'm like, wow, freaks. <laughs> I know, and it's not, like, you just don't realize how, because, like, when they're, when you go to an NBA game, they're all that size. Like, you see, like, Steph Curry, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's, like, a normal, like, he's a normal height, and he's still, like, six five, six 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 seven or something like that. So it's, like, With all the other tall people on the basketball court. Like, eight feet tall. They just, it, they're so tall. I just, I feel bad for their moms when they were younger because, like, my oldest went from a size 7 to an 11 in shoes in a year and a half. So, okay, one more ad to tell you how much we love Zencaster. If you're listening to this and you're thinking that you could start a podcast, you should. Zencaster makes starting a podcast so easy. With their high-quality recording in both audio and video, Zencaster is the perfect platform to start your podcast journey. We've said it before, there is only one you and your voice is important. Use it to start a podcast today. We'd love to help you. Head over to Zencaster.com pricing and enter code GRUESOME for 30% off your first three months. And then tell us what you're creating. I do wish I was a tall girl, though. Like, tall I girls that wear heels. Love. I Hell love yeah. tall girls. Like, I love them. 
Like every it's, time I see a tall girl, like she's probably thinking I'm super creepy because I stare, but it's like an admiration. It is absolutely admiration. You're just like, you're so great. I love you. Yeah, I love I everything want, about your yeah. tallness. I would wear heels all the time if I were tall. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I would too. And you know how they have like guys are like, I would never date tall girls good they don't want to date you anyways they want you to it's like they don't want you they to. are better than you like you are tight <laughs> if you have that mentality you are a you're tiny inferior to them. like they don't that you're not their type you're Trust not worthy me. of a tall girl no because tall girls are goddesses and they should be worshipped <laughs> as such they should be treated as such just me fangirling over tall girls. I was girl. like, yeah, that's some tall girl love. I didn't know that we shared. I'm happy about it. Though. I love tall girls so much because I'm so jealous. We have a lady day next next weekend. And if we see any in public, we should be like, hey, represent. Good Bad bitch you. contest. You in first place. <laughs> we'll just get hey, like tiny hey, little hey. trophies to like hand to people. Hey, you look great You're today. Gorgeous. Here's your tiny trophy. You're gorgeous. Just kidding. That right. would involve me talking to strangers, and I don't do that. I'm going to get tiny trophies. Be like, hey, great job today. Tiny trophy. Just existing. Can I have a tiny trophy? <laughs> existing? Yeah, 100%. I'll be like, I got it at Dollar Tree if you ever need another one. <laughs> In case you lose it. In case you lose it and you need to pick me up, you can get a whole bag of them. Mm-hmm. I think there's a... So I... Obviously, I actually really love you know giant things in general but i also really love miniatures and like very tiny things there's something very satisfying about that i wish i could make them because i watch people make them on like youtube and stuff and especially like really intricate dollhouses where like the lights work and that's all the, thing. the tiny food then the kitchens that work i'm like i want to do that yep i only like I only like miniature things of real things. Like I understand what you're saying. A tiny little phone. A tiny little <laughs> baby doll. Like I love that stuff. There's this oh. girl that I've been watching for more than a year now, probably, but she's building this dollhouse and it's um Southern Gothic. And so it's like real spooky and gross. It's really cool. And I think it's just called the Southern Gothic dollhouse on instagram but i'm obsessed with it i think it's just the coolest thing i've ever seen and i have like dollhouses put to the side and saved that i'm like i'm gonna do something cool with you one day when i have time when i was in fifth grade and we read Stuart little we had to design <laughs> as you had to- your segues are immaculate <laughs> we had to uh design this like little house that Stuart Little could live in. And that was my favorite project I did in the entirety of my school career because I what got to make like, like, it was in a shoebox because that's what we had to use. But I used like thimbles and made little tables. And like, it was my favorite. It sounds adorable. I wish I had a project like that. I think it's so cool. If you're a miniatures artist, send me your miniatures page because i will look at it for make me into a miniature i will i will go to the beginning of your history of your account just so i can see it all i just love tiny little things i just love them it's like look at this little cup (laughs) 
I think oh, the yeah, whole like thing. your tiny, your tiny tahin. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, my tiny tahin. And I have. I'm trying to look around. What other tiny things I have in here? I think that's why I like Lego men so much. Lego people. Oh, like minifigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are cool. I like when you can go to the Lego store and like get all the little pieces and make your own. We always do that when we go. Got my little t- Funko Pop of. That is a tiny Funko. Look at it. Mm-hmm. Beep, I have a lot of random little things in here. Adorable. I just love it. You should start like a thread on our Discord. Show us your tiny things on Discord Please after do. this episode. Take a picture. It doesn't matter it. what it is. It doesn't matter if you made it, but if you just have a tiny thing that you love, take a picture of it and mm-hmm. go post it in our Discord. Patreon subs. It's just so cool. My favorite's when they're really strong little things. It's like this little thing has such purpose. <laughs> Just so awesome. Like my tiny tahin. <laughs> I think that's why I like exactly one quarter slice of watermelon. I d- I destroyed. I bought this weekend. Uh I fell off my gluten-free racket for these mini donuts. And when I Yeah, t- you sent me those. They looked really good though. They looked yeah. delicious. My friend in South Carolina posted it to her Instagram story, these it's like a 12 pack of mini donuts from Walmart. And I was like, say less. I'm going to go immediately. I was in, I had a red Ohio state shirt on plaid pajama pants, no bra. I hadn't done my hair that day. So I was like in the Walmart attire. You fit right in. Yeah. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> and I walked back there and there were five boxes of it. And I was like, I'm going to buy all of these. And I was like, no, save some for other people. So I bought three. <laughs> I you got three boxes of those? I guess you have uh, three people kids that live in your but house. I yeah, that... I I ate one whole one by myself. This one's Didn't... mine. You guys share these. <laughs> I was so not comfortable yesterday from it. I was like, "This is what have it. I, I done? Would do it again." I mean, I every Saturday again. at our house is Donut Day, so oh, I'm we have Donut go... Day Saturdays too. I'm gonna go on Saturday and I'll get them and try them. They're really good. Hopefully they're still there or they have some there. They have a white one with like a caramel across it that was like top tier. It was so good. I can't buy them again or I'll eat all of them. And <laughs> like I did yesterday. It's like risk it to get the biscuit. They were better than, I mean, I would rather have a whole tray of donuts than one tornado. So, you know, you got to like level out. That's fair. I... I'm a big fan of donuts. That's my favorite thing to do when I go anywhere. I always go. I try to find a donut place to try in those areas. And they never let me in. I actually got to try a new one this week that I had been eyeballing for a while. And I swear, it. I wanted to go because it looked like it hadn't been updated since like 1960. And it hadn't. I walked in. It looked like every cop movie from like the 80s, this is where they had their donuts. Oh, that's in- dope. I took a picture of it. I'll send it to you and I'll post it in the discord as well. But I was just like, this is exactly the aesthetic I was expecting. Uh, Yeah, I had to bring. um, Okay, I didn't have to. My friend called me and she said, hey, there was this big wreck. She couldn't get there in time. She's like, hey, can you grab donuts? I'm supposed to bring donuts and I can't get there in time and get donuts. I was like, no problem. I'll go get them. So I went and bought four dozen donuts because there's like 30 people at this thing. Like, there's 20 of them. There's, like, 10 of us. There's it's just an orientation thing. So I go and buy four dozen donuts. And then I get back, and my friend says, 
I was only supposed to bring one dozen <laughs> because another girl was bringing a dozen. So I bought four dozen donuts um, at this very aesthetic donut shop that I loved. Uh, but yeah, that was my I bad. Think I, I took. We'll talk later, but if it's in the same area that I think it is, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's it was exactly what I was hoping it would be. I loved it. I was very happy with my choice, and the donuts were pretty good. We had they donuts the best I've ever waiting. had, but I like a hot donut. Like all I I've been trying for three months now to have hot Krispy Kreme donuts. It's the only donut I like from Krispy Kreme. It has to be hot. I'm not into like just the regular ones. I'm sorry. I will not further. I will not discuss it further. But ever there has been a reason every time I'm going to go. This last time I went to IKEA at, to pick up like um this like these shelves that I had ordered and there was a I always look I have the Krispy Kreme app I'm like is there one around here and there was I, and I called because they didn't have their hot light on the app you got any hot and fresh that's <laughs> why so I said I was like what time are your hot what's your what's your hot light hours and they're like oh um it'll be in about 10 minutes and I was like what it's Christmas this is the best thing ever so I go over there I get into the drive up I'm not like not seeing the hot light so I circle around the building like a stalker like four times still no hot light so I was like, maybe they just forgot to turn it on. So I go through the drive up and I'm like, hi, do you have any hot donuts? And he's like, our fryer just went down. And I was like, how dare they? Like, <laughs> I just called. So rude. I go through donut phases where I like different kinds. Like I was on a Boston cream kick for a long time. I really like raspberry jelly filled. But right now I'm on an apple fritter kick. And I do not like it when they say it's an apple fritter. Which I think an apple fritter is like apples folded into the dough, like cinnamon and sugar, blah, blah, blah. That's a turnover. But, used, it's, but it's like, if it has a filling, that's not an apple fritter to me. And I got an apple fritter at this place and it had like this, it was like an apple jelly kind of filling thing. And I was like, ugh, this is not an apple fritter. So I don't like that's apple fritters. my kick right now. I, I don't I like just, anything cream filled ever. Just ever. a glaze for you, huh? I'm a glazed. Uh, I do like a good cake donut. Oh, yeah. And when the pumpkin cake donuts come out, I'm always all over that. Yeah. I'm and uh, jelly filled. But for the most part, I am just a plain donut type of girl. Just glaze. I, like I said, I go through phases. I don't always have a favorite, but I do love donuts. That's what I did while we were waiting for you to fly into L.A. I was like, you got any <laughs> good donut plates around places around here? That one was like, good. I had a jelly filled that you got for mm-hmm. me. It was blueberry. Mm-hmm. I remember. My favorite thing to do is cry and eat donuts. Like if I'm feeling overwhelmed. <laughs> you know what would make it better is if you went to a movie by yourself, cried and ate donuts. I told it's in you that. dark. No one can see you. <laughs> going, to, um, going to movies by myself is my favorite pastime. It is my favorite thing to do. I don't have to talk to anyone. I Sometimes I don't even get snacks. I just get like a drink and just sit there and watch a show without anyone talking to me, without my kids asking questions, without my husband snoring and falling asleep. It's so having to do a bathroom break with someone. Yeah. I'm missing the pivotal plot points. Like, oh, it's just perfect. <laughs> all of my favorite movies, that's how I've watched them. Like all of the Harry Potters, like since I've been an adult, I just go by myself. Um, are we going to the movies next weekend for our day? Mm-hmm. Where the crawdads sing, baby. Yes, excellent. Um, I'm excited for that. I will be getting a giant slushy, and I will hold my bladder the entire time. I promise. I, I won't like speak to you. I won't even look at you. 
I'm so psycho <laughs> with movies. I'll just because sit I'm like the... a couple of rows, like either in front of or behind you. We don't even well, have to sit like by each other. Well, it's like an oxymoron because I specifically am the worst person to watch movies with. Like I'm the person that's like talking and asking questions, but I don't want anyone else to do that to me. It's just like way. peace and quiet. Like it's, <laughs> I watched uh, the Hunger Games series like that. Like I just went to the movies by myself. And one of the times I just fell asleep and I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> This is perfect. This is perfect, perfect, perfect. I want to see that new Elvis movie. Oh, my God. I would also be willing to see that. It's really long. It's like two and a half hours long. So maybe we don't go see that one. We only that have a really- little bit of time where we can, like, be together in person. So, mm-hmm. Man, I need to know what if other people like going to the movies by themselves and what's your favorite snack? Mine's a slushy, red and blue mixed. Does that count as a snack? Yeah. Or do you want like, but I do like raisinets. I do get raisinets as well. If I have to get like You're a candy. psychopath. You don't like raisinets? You don't like chocolate covered raisins? No. I don't like chocolate covered fruits. Like that's weird. Strawberry is the only exception. Okay. Well, we'll let you, we'll let you have that, I guess. I, it's a texture thing for me. I like and it just it. doesn't. It's- or if you make like a chocolate cook- chip cookie instead of, or like if you like oatmeal raisin, you can make a combination oatmeal raisin chocolate chip cookie with chocolate covered raisins with oatmeal in it. It's really good. I feel like you can't be both. You can't be a raisin and a chocolate chip cookie. You can because you can. That's too much. It's too much. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I know people get really mad when they're like, I don't know. I don't get the hate for oatmeal raisin cookies because they're delicious. And anyone who says different is a broken person. I'm sorry. I don't know who hurt you or what raisin hurt you in your life. I like wine, but I don't fuck with raisins that much. You got a weird hard one when you were like seven and you were like never again. It's the smell and the texture and they look like shriveled balls. And they're delicious. They're so good. (laughs) It's nature's candy. We can start this on a Parks and Rec. No, and end it on one because that's also a Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah. I was like, there we go. Full circle. Oh, that note. Nature's candy. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. 
Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 